Welcome back to the Get Into Nature podcast with husband and wife team, Scott and Casey. That's me, Campbell. Season one is all about their preparations for their trek to Everest Base Camp in October. Scott is learning the ins and outs of photography while Casey is using her nutrition background to make sure they are fueled for all of their adventures. Every week, the pair will chat with experts in outdoor expeditions, photography, and nutrition. Hey guys, we are back in the United States of America. And it feels good, <laughs> not even going to lie and say that we were not excited to get back to our normal routine and clean toilets. Hello, USA. <laughs> I also really missed my skincare routine. I missed my, no, I didn't. I didn't. I don't have one. But <laughs> anyways, bad joke already starting off the yep. podcast. Not, uh, not a good way to start. Is your mic okay? It is okay. Okay, good. <laughs> Just that we haven't sat in front of the microphones for forever. It's been a while. Yeah. Oh, and uh, some of you guys may have been wondering why we stopped doing the daily dispatches. couple of reasons. Number one is as we moved up further along the track, the Wi-Fi situation was just getting more and more sparse, or I guess I should say more and more expensive to connect. And I had purchased a Nepal SIM card, but apparently I got like the wrong carrier or the carriers have an agreement with the tea houses in the valley that it's like the service is cut off. So you just have Wi-Fi access. So that was one reason. And then the second reason is we just felt that we weren't able to be as present with the group as we wanted. So we just made the decision to stop doing the daily dispatches. Yeah. There. It started becoming a logistics challenge. Mm -hmm. And it was just make, it was not fun. It just felt like a chore to get it done. And we're like, eh, it's okay. Yeah. After hiking all day and then we knew it would be a challenge, but we didn't think of it that much of a challenge. But mm -hmm. hiking all day, getting ready for the next day, and then trying to do a podcast at night, and then trying to upload the images. It was just, I mean, at one point I was at breakfast in the midst of when we typically have sit down conversations with people. And I was, Casey made a point, I was not present at all because I was trying to upload. And so at that point, we're like, ah. Eh, we're not being present in the moment, mm -hmm. which is one of the things that we talk to a lot of people about is how to stay in the moment while we're trying to take photos and stuff. So that was a good call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We probably sacrificed some content or some, uh, well, basically me crying. <laughs> probably, but... <laughs> well, we both cried. Or so. some uh, some angry moments, I'm sure, as well. We missed out on those raw emotions and some drama. As some of you probably know <laughs> from Casey's Instagram post story, um, we did have a scary moment while we were up there. We'll get into that mm -hmm. a little bit later. But we thought we'd start today's podcast with kind of just reflecting on what our original goals were for the trip outside of making it to Everest Base Camp. And then 
the thoughts, our overall thoughts on the trip as a whole, mm-hmm. and then share with you guys some things that we will be bringing out, I guess, as follow-up content, which was the results of our experience, uh, basically lessons learned that we learned on the trip mm-hmm. that hopefully would be helpful for other people that are going down this path of taking on this type of track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, especially if you've been listening to the show and you're thinking, oh man, I really want to do a trek to Everest Base Camp or, you know, even if you, it's a, a bucket list or something like that. We we have lots of insight now into the company that you go with along with just some other logistic things that I don't want to say we learned the hard way, but kind of learned the hard way. Yeah on those. Yeah. Things to think about. Mm -hmm. So going into our overall goals for the trip, I mean, I guess I'll start, um, outside of making it to Everest base camp. Um, as you guys know that I took up photography, um, to be able to take great pictures, better pictures than what I normally would take. And the joy of that was Casey also started to come along on the journey with me as well. Mm -hmm. Um, As you guys heard from some of our interviews with some of the photographers, she was really good into the the lingo and everything. And it's always been fun to bounce stuff off. So I feel like that was accomplished. I actually backed up all the photos today and came across a few that I'm like, wow, that's, I wouldn't have taken that type of picture before. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that that is kind of a cool side effect of interviewing some of the photographers. I mean, it was, you know, especially Michael Bellino, when we talked to him, it really just opened my eyes to all the different possibilities with photography. And, you know, we were even talking about maybe doing some workshops together. So it was so funny because I mentioned, I was like, yeah, I really want to do like a photography workshop. And Scott said, oh, yeah, like going, you know, to the sand dunes here in Colorado. There's one. And I was like, well, I was more thinking like Iceland, but I think we should start smaller. We'll start small. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that would be very cool. And Mm -hmm. so funny story, side note is I have a Canon in case he's wanting to get a Sony. And um, it seems like all the cool kids are shooting with Sony these days. So we'll be a divided household on that. We will. Yeah. It's okay. We're a divided household on a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps things interesting. <laughs> Always fun. Mm-hmm. Always fun. But I think that w- that goal was accomplished. Oh, I mean, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not a super landscape photographer, but I, I feel like I got some pictures where it's like, okay, that's a cool picture. And, you know, something else that was kind of cool is there was one of the people on the trip, Tashi is his name. We'll talk about him quite a bit. Your joint or I guess your mutual interest in photography really allowed you guys to connect. Yeah. And if you didn't have that, you may have not talked to him as much as you did or just started those initial conversations. Yeah. Tashi was... One of the great things of this trip is meeting Tashi and mm-hmm. um, this guy travels the world like he was going on the Thailand after our trip. And, um, <laughs> Thailand? Thailand. <laughs> Thailand. I didn't say Thailand. <laughs> you did. Maybe it's, it sounded like it. I've <laughs> been drinking too much whiskey after our trip. But um, <laughs> yeah, this guy is just amazing and 
he was uh we're like sitting there taking photos and stuff and he's like he's from brooklyn and he's like yo bro there's the light and he was giving me all these great tips Mm -hmm. and you know and we started talking about how michael bellino gave us the advice of follow the light and he's like yeah that's that's how i learned from this guy was telling me to follow the light so anyways i digress but um yeah very cool experience and Mm -hmm. I think with him and I just taking it slow and taking pictures from all along the way of the track just kept us more energized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And fun conversations with Tashi for sure. And, it, you know, I think the other goal, you know, speaking of Tashi was to immerse ourselves in the culture mm-hmm. of Nepal. And I would say like the first four days, we were really just focused on getting, getting the deed done right getting the trek in getting up the the higher altitude and doing the chores in day in and day out and then um as we got to know tashi he invited us to go visit a monastery and we were going to go try to get sunset pictures in tingboche and that was Mm -hmm. like an amazing place um so yeah, that was cool. We got to we went to the monastery. We just hung out there for a little while inside. It was like dead mm-hmm. quiet. And I think the funnest part, I think this is where I started to really better understand the culture in Nepal is while we were walking back, we were hanging out with one of our porters and our porter wanted to play volleyball with the locals, which was kind of off the bat, beaten path. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was so cool. We actually went down there to the volleyball court that they had set up and um we watched them played volleyball yeah and, and they were good they were I really mean, good it was it was like a legit game yeah yeah i think we were there for like an hour watching them mm-hmm. playing volleyball and um that's when i started to understand the culture a little bit mm-hmm. where you see these guys they were playing these are all the porters the local um people from nepal these are the guys that were carrying three times their body weight up mm-hmm. at the trail and just really down to earth guys. And none of them had ego. Mm-hmm. They're playing this competitive game and they're playing good, but it was like when the other person scored against, like you scored against you, right? They were more supportive of that person. And it was just not a situation where people were getting frustrated or, anything even if they were losing points it's kind of hard to describe but something else i noticed was uh, let's say someone made a mistake everybody laughed including that person who made the mistake and it was almost like the person who made the mistake laughed harder than anybody else like they didn't take themselves too seriously no yeah and it's like um, something else that i've and they were again being very supportive and i think their culture is really made up of having no ego Mm -hmm. and through their spirituality, they're just have like this brotherly bond. Mm -hmm. And, um, I took away this like, okay, that's, that's something I'm taking away from this trip Mm -hmm, for sure. Which I thought was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I have to just applaud Tashi and I'm so grateful that, we had the opportunity to meet him because with his travel experience, 
I would say that he really opened up my eyes during the hike because I very much have a tendency just to, as we've joked about, put my head down and just like go fast. Like that is our goal is just to get there. And just through conversations with him, it's like, oh, okay, we still have all day to get to the tea house. Like that is our only job that we have to do today. So let's stop at two different bakeries along the way and have like some of the best lattes we've ever had. Let's stop along the side of the trail and play badminton with some kids for a while and actually be there in the moment and experience different things that normally I would be too focused on just getting up the trail or down the trail. Yep. To notice. Yeah. And so, I mean, that kind of goes along with the goal of, um, the third goal that I had was to take away an understanding of the culture in Nepal Mm -hmm. and why people want to keep going back. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, those tying in into immersing yourself in the culture that we, we did, we did not as much as I would have liked to. Um, but having that experience gave me a better understanding of the culture of Nepal. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I'm not quite ready to go back. No, I'm not ready either. No. We've only been here home for two days now and uh, we're still (laughs) exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I guess what were your overall thoughts of the trip altogether? You know, I 100% transparency, guys. I'm struggling right now with the disappointment of being the one to get AMS when I, you know, like joked about it all the time. It was like, oh yeah, Scott, I'll be like pissed at you if, you know, you have to turn around. But, uh, you know, that was probably a lesson in karma that I needed to get. But uh, yeah, I have been struggling since the day that we had to turn around just with feelings of failure. I mean, I know that right before this, Scott mentioned, you know, it's like, well, imagine how people feel that spend 60 days up there and don't make the summit. And, you know, it's like, yeah, that's not as my disappointment probably doesn't compare to them, but it's still a disappointment for the goal that we had originally set out for. And, you know, it's like I had thoughts of creating an online program to help prepare people for base camp. And now like that business idea is totally shot to shit because we didn't make it. So just I'm I'm struggling with lots of feelings of disappointment, but then also trying to balance like, holy crap, Casey, like get over yourself because you were just in freaking Nepal and you saw the most gorgeous, amazing, breathtaking mountains that you've ever seen. So I'm a mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we both have disappointment of not making it to the top, but at the same time, it's one of those things where, and, and Tashi said this best when we were having the group meeting afterwards, it's the people that you're with. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and we could have, not had a better group, well, minus one person, but the people in the group were just amazing and so supportive of each other. And, you know, we may not talk to them ever again, but I would consider them all lifelong friends. 
Well, yeah, and, and I agree. And I think, you know, my thoughts on the trip is, A, we wanted to get to Everest Base Camp and Kalapatar to take the amazing pictures of Everest and the rest of the mountain ranges from that view. Um, yeah, at one point, guys, we were going to, before I got AMS, we were going to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and start hiking up Kalapatar to get sunrise pictures. Yeah, it's like this destination that mm -hmm. everybody does. And what I've found from talking with other groups, they do both base camp and Kalapatar, but that wasn't in the cards with what our agenda was originally laid out to be. But overall, you know, I sure disappointed we didn't make it to the top. But looking back at the journey, super happy with the experiences we had preparing for the trip mm -hmm. and the experiences while we that we had while we were there. Um, just seeing the mountains, guys, it's it's one of those things, and I keep saying this: we're in Colorado, and the highest mountains are like fourteen thousand feet in some change here in Colorado. Well, when we were at our highest point before having to turn around, we were at 15,000 feet of elevation and we were still looking up at Almadoblin and we saw Everest and we saw Lutze. It's just like crazy how big these mountains are. And hopefully the pictures that I took that you guys can look online to see kind of capture that. Um, I got this one cool picture of Casey while she's sitting on this, uh, I guess, cliff. Like outcropping kind of. Outcropping, looking at Amadoblin. And it just shows the grand mass of these things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I took away that. And then also just the people we got to meet on the trip and the people that, um, you know, that were in our group and some of the conversations we had with people and just those experiences mm -hmm. from that perspective. So as you guys can tell, we didn't make it. <laughs> yep. Um, and you can probably sense some frustration in our voice a little bit, but to kind of put some context behind it, but without going into too much detail, um, we had a group of 18 people in our group and only four made it to the top. And there was a lot made of, it to base camp, not to, base, to the top, not to the top, but, uh, there was a, once we hit the ground, there was a lot of logistics stuff that was not in place. And I think one of the things that we're going to do, we are going to do is we're going to do another episode that's fully dedicated to vetting out a guide group to go with mm -hmm. and logistics and, um, prerequisites that you should check before you go. Cause we were a little bit naive looking mm -hmm. into that. Yep. But I guess, you know, on that note, let's, you know, some people know that we had a, an experience with AMS. Maybe we can kind of go into a little bit of what that day was like, share that with the audience, because I think it's, it's important for people to know what to look for. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, what not to do when you have these symptoms and what's the best way to recover. So I guess, you know, maybe I'll throw you on the couch and interview a little <laughs> bit here, but I, um, you know, when was the first indication in your mind that you felt, okay, something's not right. 
It was the day that we were hiking from Timboche to Periche. And I was hiking just slower that day because I was, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, we're potentially going to have a really big day in approximately 36 hours. Like we were going to wake up at 3 a.m., get up to Kalapatar. And then, you know, at the time we were still thinking like, ooh, maybe we can squeeze in base camp as well because the mileage wasn't that that far and you know I'm overzealous so that day I was like quote unquote hiking slower but I was like dang I feel like I'm working pretty darn hard right now and my legs felt really heavy my arms were going numb on some of the steeper ascents, which that has happened before, but it's usually when I'm doing an all-out effort. So like 400 repeats on the track or, (laughs) you know, (laughs) trying to stay with Matt or something, you know, like that. But uh, I started noticing that the day that we were hiking. And that night, I had been sleeping with earplugs just because it was kind of loud in the tea houses. I mean, they're basically just, what's that? Plywood. They're plywood plywood with plywood boxes, plywood boxes with no insulation. I mean, you can hear everything. And so I'd been sleeping with earplugs. And that night when I went to bed, I had to take one of my earplugs out because my heart was beating so hard. I could hear it and it was in my ears and it was keeping me awake. And I just figured I was like, oh, it's just because it's, you know, like, so quiet up here. So those were kind of the first indications. And then when I woke up that morning, I had a killer headache. I mean, just think of your worst hangover headache ever and multiply it by five. And, you know, I didn't let on that my head was hurting as bad as it really was. And it was weird because it was just in the back of my skull. So I was thinking, oh, maybe it was because I slept on it weird or something. So I took some ibuprofen right before breakfast. And then we got to breakfast. Oh, yeah. And I also like had horrible diarrhea that morning. And but I just figured I was like, eh, we've been eating like Dalbot and curry for a week now. So again, this is like whatever. (laughs) This is just us. I mean, making making every excuse, finding excuses, trying to push the obvious aside right Mm -hmm. and it's it's one of those things where i think you know kind of going back to ego we all have ego and because you shared with me that you had a headache and we you told me "Ah, i think it's my neck i was like yeah sure it's probably just because you slept on your neck wrong whatever Mm -hmm. i was like very quick to push it aside as well which it was that was the wrong thing to do right Mm -hmm. so And uh, then when we got to breakfast, we decided that we were all going to start getting the same breakfast because it was just much more efficient to get out of the tea houses quickly. And we had toast with runny eggs. And I looked at it and I was so nauseated. I almost puked as soon as I saw the breakfast. And I was like, oh, I can't eat that. Like, no, not not today, Satan. Not going to happen. And normally you eat over easy eggs yeah but for that that morning i was like oh mm -mm." that's when i started to question it's like okay that's yeah questionable but still by that point i was like uh 
Maybe she drank something wrong or whatever. Yeah. Or whatever. So that morning, our group leader announced at breakfast that one person was going down and that he would also be joining that person. And he's like, all right, you guys need to speak up. If you have a headache, you've had diarrhea, and you don't have an appetite, you need to speak up. And it was... Not even, it was just like my subconscious, I knew because tears started just rolling down my face and I couldn't even control it. Yeah. And I could just, you know, barely even whisper to Scott. I was like, I have all three. And it was just like, fuck. And sorry for the language people, but this is <laughs> Yeah, we're putting the explicit on this one. Yeah. This is an emotional podcast. <laughs> but at that time... She looked at me and as she said, she whispered and she said that she had all three and she had tears rolling out of her eyes. I was like, okay, this just got really serious. Jeff, our, the guy, mentioned that he had AMS symptoms and he was going down and somebody else was going down in the group. And I'm looking around the room and these other people that have looked like they've had symptoms and we knew that they were pretty bad off they weren't admitting it but here i have my wife in tears and i'm like oh my god this just got really serious because we we're at fifteen thousand feet yeah well just below because we like hit that ridge and we stayed up there that was at 15 and then we went down slightly i think it was like 14.5 or yeah. something like that mm -hmm. but i I I had no thoughts because we live in colorado and we did all those 14s it's like we're not going to have problems at this altitude, but mm -hmm. obviously there were a lot of things that went wrong in from a logistics perspective that, it, that led up to that. Mm -hmm. um, and what we mean by that is we should have had more than one acclimation day. Yeah. So we came up way too damn quick. Yep. And that's one of the things that we'll talk about in when mm -hmm. you're vetting out a guiding company, the number of days of acclimation they have uh, assigned. <clears throat> because we only had one day, and it was brought to my attention that only 60% of people that do just one day acclimations are successful. Mm -hmm. um, and I think as a group, if we would have known that, I think we probably would have had a little different perspective, but there's a whole other, <laughs> yeah, whole other, whole other slew of stories that we could go down the path of, of stuff that was just logistically wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll get into that in another podcast. <laughs> so, you know, at that point we, we went aside and we talked to our guide and, express the symptoms that Casey was having. And um, at that point, we just decided, no way she's going up. Mm -hmm. I'm not going up without her. There's just no way I wanted to. Um, and I was really worried about your safety. Now that yeah. we're home, and we can say was... this in front of our moms on the podcast. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, that was even a tougher moment for me because I felt like I was ruining your dream too but. at that point. And I mean, you know, we talked about it on the way down that I'm so grateful that you did turn around with me because I was feeling pretty crappy. 
at that point. And I definitely needed your support coming down. But again, it was just the guilt of taking that away from you. But I don't see it that way at all. Right. I mean, we've had this conversation. Um, and, you know, people asked me if I was going to go on without Casey because I was feeling fine. And uh, I got emotional and um, started crying <laughs> because there was just no way I wanted to do it without her, without you. <laughs> and um, kind of getting emotional thinking about it now. But uh, everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I feel that much things we've learned from this experience. Um, and we definitely made the right call. 100%. I, there is, even though it stings and I'm heartbroken and devastated about the decision, there is no doubt in my mind that I made the wrong decision. Like 100% absolutely the right decision to come down. Absolutely. Because, I mean, you know, there were some people who continued on and they had to be hella backed out. Yeah. And they, they came to us afterwards and said they, they wish they would have turned around when we did. Mm -hmm. And, again, it was a logistical error mm -hmm. um, that put a lot of people at risk. And, um, thankfully, nobody got serious issues mm -hmm. or seriously hurt. Um, but once we, so what we had to do to kind of go back into what you have to do when you start getting these symptoms, mm -hmm. the first thing you do is you descend, descend and descend. Mm -hmm. So the trick, if you're having any of the symptoms of AMS, like what Casey was mentioning, you don't push forward. Because if you push forward and if you start throwing up, you're done. Yeah. So Casey caught it early on. And so what we had to do was descend down. And you, the rule is you descend until you start feeling better. And again, logistics. Um, we ended up descending 14 miles down, mm -hmm. which it was a nine hour day. And it wasn't an easy truck because there was ups and downs. Yeah. But thankfully, Casey was not feeling too bad and was able to continue on without too much struggle. And we were able to take some breaks while walking down that made it where it wasn't an all-out struggle the whole time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was such a mind fuck as we were going down because you do start to feel so much better and you're thinking to yourself, well, was my headache really that bad? And those eggs, like they, it, it was just because they were a bit too runny on the top. Like you start just again, playing these mind games with yourself, but you know, it's like, no, you're, you made the right decision. If you didn't have AMS, you would still be feeling super crappy right now. Yeah. But again, it was it was a long 14 miles with all of the ups and downs. Well, it was more downs than 
anything but just thinking, you know, I mean, I'm so extreme. I'm like, I just need to sell all of my outdoorsy stuff. Like I don't even belong in the mountains. And I was like, is Matt going to still be my friend? And <laughs> I mean, just You're so dramatic. I know just ridiculous stuff. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. And you had pride. Was... I mean, I even went to go take weight out of your backpack and you got mad at me. Yeah, absolutely. Cause we were about to ascend back up into Nanche. And uh, that was going to be, that was, that was the toughest part of the hike. Yeah. Well, I'd already been a little bitch and turned around. So I wasn't going to let you take weight out of my pack. So guys, I pulled out probably two pounds out of her back. And <laughs> when I went off, she put half of it back in her backpack. And I was like, all right, I give up. I'm not going to win this battle. I'm going to let Again, her. It was just a point of pride. Yeah. I had so little left at that point. <laughs> but again, absolutely made the right decision. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Because unfortunately, people in our group got very sick. Mm -hmm. And three people at the end of the day, including our guide, had to be hella backed out. Mm -hmm. So we got home safe. Mm -hmm. No major issues. And, you know, there was some things that we did right. I mean, we did a lot of things right. Um, obviously the training we did was right. Mm -hmm. Um, we, I mean, I was feeling great physically, like my legs and your legs up until you started having symptoms. We were, we were fine. Oh yeah. I mean, not tired at all. Mm -hmm. No, the hike itself was not hard, which at the same time is kind of a detriment because, Something that we found out after the fact is that you need to hike slow during those days. If you have seven hours for a hike and it's, you know, maybe just one kilometer an hour, you should take that entire seven hours and hike that slow because it's going to give your body time to adjust as you're going up versus hiking super fast and making that seven hour hike in four hours and being super psyched and being like, Oh yeah, I'm, you know, such a badass yeah. with it. It's much better to take your time and go up slowly. Yep. And we knew that we we've heard that before, but I think that it just, we didn't really understand the distances that we were doing. So we didn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, we could have just gone slower, but at, at the end of the day, there was no pacing. There wasn't really clear direction on what our estimated time should have been mm -hmm. until after the fact. Oh, you guys did that way too fast. It's like, okay, why, why didn't you like pull us together as a group and pace us? Mm -hmm. But again, things that we'll talk about when we're talking about vetting out a good group mm -hmm. to go with. Um, but you know, I think other things that we did right was the water. Mm -hmm. 100%. Um, yeah. Thanks to Benny Williams, AKA my brother from another mother, <laughs> um, his podcast that he did on the water filtration. We, we took everything to heart. Um, and we, we didn't experience any of the issues that other people experience with having upset stomachs. Um, for one is we did a proper job of filtering our water and making sure we didn't get contaminated water. 
Um, and also we made sure we ate the right foods. Uh, we were vegetarian on this trip mm -hmm. because we've heard so many nightmare stories about people eating the meat. Yep. Um, we also ate like local food. So on the tea house menus, you know, they had things like egg salad sandwiches or just other kind of quote unquote American foods. And they don't know how to make those. And there's no refrigeration up there. Anything, any food that is in the tea house has been brought up either on a yak, a donkey, or a human. Yep. And it has not been refrigerated properly. So eating things like dalbot, which is rice, lentils, and some sautéed vegetables, that you cannot go wrong with dalbot. Dalbot power, 24-hour. Mm -hmm. That was a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you get really sick of it. The spices, you're just like, oh, if I have to eat or look at curry or smell it again. But we stayed not, uh, we didn't have deli belly. No. So we did really good on that. And um, I think we did really good with organization. Mm -hmm. So we created some videos that we'll share with you guys. We did some filming while we were at Innamche of the daily routines to do while you're in the tea house to stay organized mm -hmm. and more efficient. So that way you just wake up and you go, mm -hmm. um, you're not fumbling around trying to fill your bag. Like some people I know, <laughs> AKA me. <laughs> um, and then also, uh, we did another film about filtrating water, mm -hmm. what to expect while you're on the trek, how to get water. Um, and, you know, from that perspective, I think we did really good on that. So mm -hmm. we had no stomach issue because that was my two biggest fears is one is AMS and two was getting deathly ill with stomach, either crapping your pants mm -hmm. or throwing up. And we had situations where people in our group did get sick. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was because they ate things that were off the menu that were not local foods. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's that was a big plus that we'll share with people on how to properly do that. Mm -hmm. yep. And I think overall, it was just a great experience. Um, you know, the therapy I did with myself, you know, we both talked about being a little bit down mm -hmm. because we didn't make it our destination. Um, it's just flipping, flipping through. I took like, I think, 12 to 1300 pictures. So while on the plane, I was flipping through and it's like bringing back the memories of, oh my God, we were here. Oh, right. look, at, look at this picture of the mountains. Um, some of it just looks surreal, right? And then, um, so I think once we get over this initial disappointment, I think we'll be okay. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. It's definitely still a trip of a lifetime. Oh, one, I mean, totally. And something that it was tough. But very impactful was, you know, seeing just some of the poverty in Nepal. Yeah. Too. And realizing we have so much to be grateful for. Yeah, guys. Where we live and all of the opportunities that we have. It's easy for us to 
you know, bitch and moan about current administration and traffic and issues in the United States. But man, people, there are some people in Nepal who would be so grateful to have those issues yeah. or to even have those complaints. Well, and, and one of the things that I learned about is, so for people, I don't know if this is for all countries, but people from Nepal that want to come to America, they have to apply for a visa. And they get turned down for no reason. Mm -hmm. And we actually ran into a gentleman our first day in Nepal while we were walking around Kathmandu um, with our guide who speaks fluently the language because he lived there for a few years. Um, the gentleman was, at the end of the day, he was walking us around, giving us a personal tour of Kathmandu. It was great. But at the end of the day, he was really trying to get to know us so we could help sponsor him to get a visa. Mm -hmm. and the things that we take for granted in, in that regards, it was, it was eye opening. and guys, you don't know anything about traffic until you're in Kathmandu. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have some video that will uh, be posting up, but it's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. And the overpopulation and, um, you know, things that we take for granted is, clean drinking water, mm -hmm. right? Um, things that we take for granted for Americans is you walk into a bathroom and it's clean. Mm -hmm. You have a clean place to go to the bathroom and you don't feel like you're going to get sick going into a public restroom. Right. That's not the case there. It's in some cases you're, there's a hole in the ground mm -hmm. and stuff splattered all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's things taken for granted. And then, um, clean air. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're walking around in Kathmandu. This is a major city in Nepal. And we're having to wear air masks mm -hmm. because the air was so polluted because of the overpopulation of in cars and dirt and things Americans take for granted, which we still need to do a better job of, is sanitation in regards to trash. Mm-hmm. And they don't have a recycling problem there and they have a trash problem there when, and I took some pictures, just the rivers in the uh, major met metropolitan area are just flooded with trash. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if I was somebody in these conditions and I hear about America, you're damn right. I'd want to come to America because mm -hmm. as soon as we, came back and I explained this to uh, Benny today. Um, it's weird being back here in the States and not feeling like something's trying to get you. Right. Like I felt like the whole time we were there, I had to be on the defensive of what I was drinking, what I was eating, what I was touching and constantly having to use hand sanitizer on my hands. Cause I couldn't wash my hands with the water. Mm -hmm. I always felt like something was out to get me the environment. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, that's one perspective. It makes me feel so much grateful for what we have here in the United States. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, talking about the journey is being touched with people reaching out that I haven't talked to in years, telling me that they were listening to the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, while we were out there in Nepal, a gentleman that I was friends with in high school and we were fraternity brothers in college. 
uh, reached out to me and said that um, him and his wife started listening to the podcast and to get a better understanding of what we were going through to prepare for this trip and what we were going to experience up to base camp, they watched the movie Everest. And um, so it was just, it was just touching to hear that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of good things to take away. Yep, absolutely. And um, I still think it's a trip of a lifetime, even though we didn't make it to our final destination. But I mean, we went on to the other side of the world mm -hmm. and saw some of the most beautiful mountains and having this trip and experience together. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's, uh, I can't describe it. We survived our first international trip together. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> there will be a season two. Yes, there will be a season two. So like we said, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have a few more episodes that we'll come out with, guys, mm -hmm. um, talking about the lessons learned. So that way we can share that with people that want to uh, prepare for a trip so they can learn from our lessons. Um, and then also we're, we're going to talk about the details of how to vet out and um, what to look for in a guiding company. Mm -hmm. Questions to ask. Questions to ask. Um, we look back at this, we, we went into a situation of trust, but we should go in and trust, but verify. Um, so we will go into the details of what that looks like. And then we'll announce what season two is going to be. Yep. Now that we're getting into snowboarding and skiing season, we got our snow today. I know. Super excited. We had like three inches of snow in Denver last night. Um, I was all excited because I got to wear my puffy jacket. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, we appreciate you guys tuning in and coming along on this journey with us. Mm -hmm. And um, we'll be sharing more stuff. Absolutely. All right, All right. Naturites. Climb on. <laughs>